This week on the show, Mouse Sports win the Acer Predator Masters, Tempo Storm claim a spot at IEM Katowice, and Team Liquid eye up a new fifth. I'm Jack Westerman, joined by John Blue Mullen, and we're going to kick things off, as always, with a 1.6 frag clip. This week's clip is Mandic versus Moscow 5 at the 2011 World Cyber Games, where Fallen picks up a FAMAS 4K in the very first map. Unfortunately, Mandic would lose the quarterfinal two maps to nil and finish in 5th to 8th place. ESC Gaming would in fact go on to win the whole tournament. Our first story this week is the Acer Predator Masters, more specifically the Season 2 finals which took place from February 11th to 13th in Krefeld, Germany. So, Blue, uh, as we have a look at the upper bracket graphic here on screen, the prize distribution for this tournament was $20,000 first place, uh, and I think they got something like 5 PCs on top of that, and... Uh, as we take a look at the upper bracket, we'll see Mouse Sports, LDLC White, Alternate Attacks, EFRAG, you know, kind of a nice mixture of, I guess you'd call them mid-tier European teams, right? Yeah. Um, so, you know, Mouse Sports Advance, EFRAG Advance, Hellraisers, out of that, that first quarterfinal. Um, Blue, walk us through this graphic. What what do you think the big surprises are here and who, who had standout performances in your eyes? I don't think there was really any, you know, big surprises here for the most part. This entire upper bracket, with maybe the Hellraisers and Flipside semifinal there being the only one, being the only exception. Yeah. Uh, most of this upper bracket makes sense for the most part. Um, LDLC, I think there was some talk about them. They put up a they put up a good fight against Mouse Sports, taking them in overtime on one of the maps. I think some people may have expected them to do just a little bit better, considering they won that recent Winter Assembly Land two weeks back. Yeah. However, you're up against Mouse Sports, and when you compare Mouse Sports to LDLC, White, I still think Mouse Sports is sort of a cut cut above the rest of the team there okay and well just picking on ldlc white for a second here in this bracket they're kind of a team that uh well jason and i have talked about them on pop flash before as kind of being this inconsistent team they'll they'll win really small scale lands and then they'll yeah. when time comes to step up at slightly bigger events they kind of fall flat do you think that's an issue with these these mid-tier teams in europe and north america i guess that the consistency tends to be a real issue for them yeah, I think that's absolutely a problem. It's partially in my eyes. I think it's because of the fact that they just don't get enough chances to go up against some of the bigger teams like Mouse Sports. And sure. the other part of it, too, I, this definitely does not apply to every team, but it could be sort of the nerves that come into play when you go up against those larger scale teams and mm. you sort of crack under the pressure, I think, could be a part of it, too. But for the most part, I think it's just a lack of experience. Absolutely. Okay, well, hopefully uh, some of these teams get more experience in going forward. That, of course, was the upper bracket. So if we jump over and take a look at the lower bracket, uh, we'll see alternate attacks ultimately ended up here. LDLC White, Vexed, and uh, CSGO Lounge to start things off. Then, of course, Hellraisers came down. EFRAG as we move over to the middle of the graphic. Um, now, I want to talk about alternate attacks a little bit, Blue, because this is an organization that's no stranger to Counter-Strike. They had a, a really good 1.6 team. They had a good Source team for a while. Now they're, they're back with a CSGO team. But it feels like they've haven't quite broken into the upper echelons of this game yet do you think that's that's fair to say and and i guess how much what do they have to do to get up there i think it's still going to be a little bit of a ways off just i took a look at some of their other tournament history as well as i actually haven't had too much of a chance to watch this team prior to this event yeah there's definitely a rising team for sure um, as they've been having some really good performances, a lot of first through third place finishes, a lot of smaller events. 
However, we haven't really seen them play at any bigger events as of yet. And most of these victories have been in sort of a recent spurt over the past couple weeks and past mm. months or so. So I don't necessarily know if we're going to see this team suddenly just bust onto the scene. One place I would pay attention to them is going to actually be in ESEA's own league. Because right now they're actually dominating Premier. Currently 4-0, and only behind one more team because they've played two more matches than them. But they're definitely one of the top teams right now in Premier, which means... If this performance continues, they could be in contention for a pro league slot. However, that's still a couple months off, so I'll have to wait and see on that one. Yeah, absolutely. And of course, if they win Premier, then they'll move up to potentially pro league next season yeah. as well, right? Which would be would be great for those guys. Uh, just before we leave the lower bracket uh, here, Blue, I want to pick your brains on Efrag a, a little bit because they're kind of a team that uh, we, we've we've heard a lot a lot more about them in recent weeks than we had in the past. They they made waves at previous events, and they ultimately would go on to finish third in this tournament overall. Does that strike you as being about right for this roster? Uh, yeah, I think I think that's pretty on par for them when you consider that Mouse Sports and Flipside end up placing in first and second place in front of them. And the, I mean, the Flipside game was also incredibly close too, where they played up against them to get that final slot in the yeah. uh, grand finals of the event. They only really ended up dropping the ball on those final two maps, but this is a team that has shown plenty of times in the past, as you've already said, that they can go up against some of the top tier one teams. They've recently, I think a couple weeks ago, they had a match where they were able to take a map or two off of uh, Ninjas and Pajamas as well. And yeah. they've gone up against some of the bigger teams in a lot of online leagues where they've actually beat them, if I can remember a couple of cases too, teams like uh, Astralis, now I can remember they beat them at least once on a couple of maps and plenty of the other big dogs. So these guys can definitely play up against some of the bigger teams. They just haven't had that really large event where they've had a high placing that sort of busted them into the attention of the entire scene as of yet. Mm. Okay, well, you mentioned Flipside there as well. So let's get the uh, the, the championship round uh, up on the screen here. So this is the lower brackets final, uh, excuse me, lower bracket finals on the left, which we just talked about. That was Efrang versus Flipside, which Flipside would go on to win. And the grand finals over on the right. Now, slight caveat around the grand final in that Markolov uh, for Flipside wasn't able to play in this tournament. His, I think his visa got cancelled uh, on the last day or it ran out, right? There was like the rumor I heard, I don't know if this was confirmed or not, but I think it was he had a one-year visa that he got last year around this time, uh, and he like forgot that it was expiring on that Sunday, so he didn't want to risk having to deal with you know, the Schengen Zone or whatever that's called, yeah. uh, messing him up for any future events, so I think he just wanted to play it safe, which was a perfectly acceptable decision, of course. Yeah, sounds like a pretty lax attitude to the whole professional travel thing. But uh, yeah, I've got a visa, it'll, it'll count for a year. But uh, I guess my question is, so Mass Sports went on to win the grand final 3-0. They absolutely swept Flipside in the end. Um, do you think with Markoloff, Flipside would have put up more of a fight? Could they have won this event, do you think? I don't think they would have won, um, but I do think the the matches themselves would have been much closer. Um, right. You could obviously tell these guys played in the upper bracket finals just before this, and the matches were much closer. Flipside was putting up a much bigger fight, whereas in these grand finals, the two maps that were played, as you remember, Mouseports also got that one map advantage to start the set off to begin with. Uh, Mouseports basically just plowed through them in the finals, so it definitely seemed like Flipside just lost all their steam when they had that sub in, and unfortunately, uh, unfortunately, their sub wasn't really able to uh, to bring them back up the part actually beat them. All right. Well, that was the Acer Predator Masters, which took place over the weekend of February 12th, sorry, 11th to 13th in Krefeld, Germany. Congratulations to Mouse Sports, who won the whole thing. And before we move on to topic number two, we're going to jump over to Miss Harvey, who's got a CS fact for us. Thanks, Jack. 
Back in 2004, Swedish team Eyeballers upset everyone to win the CPL Summer Championship, the biggest tournament around at the time. The Swedes won their first match of the tournament 13-0 because back then Counter-Strike only had 12 rounds per half. Then they beat Alternate Attacks 13-3, Team 3D 13-5 and Mouse Sports 13-6 to reach the winner's bracket final. There they would meet another Swedish team called SK Gaming, led by a talented young player named Heaton. They won that match and the grand final to become the CPL champions taking home $30,000. However, at the winter tournament six months later, Ibalos would not be able to repeat their win. They finished in second place behind the international team NOA. Thank you very much, Steph. Blue, no doubt you remember 2004 very fondly. No, not at all. <laughs> I, was, uh, I was nine years old. I don't think I had even heard of Counter-Strike as of yet. Okay, not a big eye eyeballers fan then. Yeah. <laughs> all right. Not at all. Well, our second story this week is IEM Katowice, which uh, had its North American qualifiers over the weekend, concluded on Valentine's Day. So very romantic uh, grand finals, I guess, for Cloud9 and Tempo Storm. <laughs> and as we have a look at the quarterfinal bracket here, well, I, I guess we should caveat by saying this was actually a far bigger event than you see here on screen. Uh, this started as a round of 128, right, Blue? Yeah, so we had, of course, it was, I'm pretty sure it was open entry as far as I was concerned anyway, as we had yeah. a lot of interesting team names, uh, <laughs> full bracket itself, <laughs> wherever you can find that. But um, it was open entry and you had plenty of teams participating in it. Um, the, the interesting thing, of course, was all the somewhat of higher tier North American teams, some of those lower pro league teams were getting knocked out like super early on in the event. Yeah, absolutely. So, uh, and I think a lot of people were talking about the fact that this was a best of one event. Uh, which is perhaps unusual for a qualifier of an event this scale. I mean, what you mentioned tier one teams getting knocked out. Wintervox got knocked out in the second round, the round of 64. They lost to Team Rosa, who are a pug team. I've certainly never heard of them. Uh, Complexity lost to Tempo Storm just before the quarterfinal, which we can see on screen here. And uh, another North, North American team, uh, Splice, got knocked out in the round of 16 to Daydreamers. Again, another team I personally haven't heard of. Um, perhaps you have, Blue. Uh, but nope. my, Okay, fair enough. But my question is, so how big a factor were these best of ones in this tournament? Would it would this quarterfinals have looked much better? I, I, th I think so, but ultimately you also have to take a look at the scale of these events and that you are going to be doing open entry, so you have to consider the fact that there's, there's like, for, for a LAN event that has a specific set amount of teams and a specific set amount of days to run it, um, yeah, that's fine. You can do these best of threes and all that because you should absolutely have the time for it, but when you're trying to manage this many teams and whatnot, it's really in my eyes at least sort of just not ethical to try and do a best of three set at this point the best of one thing is you know that that's going to be happening and you know that that's going to be happening pretty well in advance too so you should be prepared for that and be prepared for the consequences that come in north american teams like to sort of throw out the best of one thing a lot and honestly it's going to happen at least in these larger scale online events so you sort of have to get used to it i don't think it's like a valid excuse mm. Yeah, no excuses at this point. And speaking of no excuses, the new Cloud9 roster was in action here. And, uh, well, as we have a look at the bracket again, we'll see they beat Daydreamers, they beat Team Optic, but then in the grand final, they got dumped out of the whole thing on Valentine's Day, no less, than by Tempo Storm, who, of course, just signed Games Academy. They're the new Brazilian roster. So this new Cloud9 roster came up short. They lost 14-16, 17-19, so 
pretty close games. Shroud and Skadoodle were the number one and number two ranked players, but then you had Stewie, who was break-even, and Nothing, who went pretty negative uh, in this tournament. How much do you think his in-game leader role is is hurting his play overall? Uh, I wouldn't... There's, there's def, there was definitely still some plays and some maps, actually, where Nothing was able to have a pretty big impact on the team. So I agree that in certain circumstances where the team's under pressure, it's definitely going to be hurting his own stats because he has to focus on that calling. But yeah. if if the team... I'm gonna we're, I'm bringing up the word momentum, which is like like the, probably one of the most overused words to describe teams, but I'm going to bring it up here. I think if C9 starts off well and can get their momentum going and Nothing doesn't have to worry about calling that much, I think he can still frag pretty competently. But mm. as soon as you put like any pressure on C9 and he has to switch his atten attention to the calling aspect, that's when I think he starts to drop the ball a little bit. Okay, and uh, well, we should talk a little bit about the team they lost too as well, of course. So 2-0 to Tempo Storm. They've earned their place at Katowice. And uh, they did so in style. They beat Complexity, Liquid, CLG, and Cloud9. So it's not like they had an easy route to yeah. this, this spot in the tournament. Yeah, it's a hell <laughs> the, of a run. <laughs> the funniest thing about it too is is there was like smaller discussions happening on Reddit. Like, oh, they, they beat the top team in NA. And people were like, well, they didn't beat the top team in NA because Liquid is top team in NA. Well, <laughs> they also beat them. And they beat CLG, and they also beat Cold out on top of that as well. So there's there's like no excuse. They they pretty much burst their way through like every single team in North America that could have possibly stood a chance against them. So all it's right. not even like you could argue they had an easy bracket either. Yeah, well, to take all excuses away from North America, do you think uh, Tempo Storm played well, or was this the North American teams screwing up? Uh little bit of both. Tempo Storm is on top. These North American, or apologies, these Brazilian rosters are always on point, it seems, and they really always bring their A-game, strategical A-game, I should mention, too, mm. uh, to the table, whereas a lot of these sort of newer North American teams that are starting to get themselves together, they're still, they're still very much focused on the individual skill aspects, and they haven't had time to get their strategies going on some of the more intensive maps like Train and whatnot, where you absolutely have to be together as a team. Yeah. So Tempo Storm was just going to absolutely tear anyone apart on that map. Any Really, any North American team to try to go up against them. And of course, as a result of this match, uh, it means we, I, I think I'm correct in saying, there are going to be no North American teams at IEM Katowice, right? Pretty, pretty hard blow for you guys to swallow, no doubt. Unless someone <laughs> drops out and they decide to invite us as like a pity invite, then yeah, <laughs> right, not gonna be there. But I mean, honestly, this is a good thing because I think I think we we saw some like some stuff today now from some of the bigger players on their streams and whatnot, where it looks like they are starting to realize that yeah, this is a bad thing. This shouldn't be happening. So mm. maybe this will be the wake up call uh, for some of the bigger teams in North America, but only time will tell. Okay, well, one last question before we leave this topic, and uh, I guess it's to do with the performance of some of these North American teams again. Now, given that so many North American players are, I guess, part-time streamers, especially people like Cloud9, right? I think they've got four players on their roster who stream on a regular basis. It's pretty much just Skidoodle who doesn't, as far as I'm aware. Um, is there any incentive for them to actually improve or are they, you know, if they're making so much money streaming, what is the incentive for them to get some skin in the game and enter these tournaments, essentially? So this is the loaded question, because when you sit back for a moment and think about this, if you're purely in esports for the money, uh, prize money is nowhere near like a huge incentive anymore to do well in these events. So mm. if, 
you're already making loads of money probably from your salary, from your stream earnings, and wherever else you manage to find revenue. So it's it's definitely not money driven. However, I hold this belief, and I think many the majority of people that are in esports hold this belief that if you're getting in esports, you shouldn't be doing it for the money. You should be doing it for some greater purpose. And we would hope for the majority of these players that would be to become the best in the world, to get a good roster, and finally become the dream team for North America and become the best team in North America. But that is 100% up to the players themselves for them to decide. There's not really anything that we could say. Uh, there's not really anything we can force upon them or incentivize them to become this best team. That's 100% up to the players for them to incentivize themselves to become the best team. Last but not least, I've got some quick fire questions for you, Blue. So, quick as you can, give me your thoughts on the following news stories from the week. First of all, there are reports of Team Liquid potentially looking to sign Kusta. And at this point, it's not even really reports, right? Because there's been tweets, odd shots, every form of medium that seems to point towards this happening. So it's going to be interesting because there's a there's like a, a screw that's been thrown under the gears, essentially. Ryu said on Twitter that Kusta probably would not be continuing with the roster after his contract expired. Yeah. There was some odd shots from Dren where he was either jokingly or seriously saying that he was off the roster and you know making jokes about joining CLG as like their stats manager or something like that. So it seems <laughs> like it was going to happen. However... Uh, there was also a tweet that came out earlier today from Adam Apicella that says, and I quote, PSA, the only way a player qualifying for a minor or the LCQ can participate in the major is with the team they qualified with. So this would mean that Kusta, if he is going to jump onto Liquid now, he technically can't play with Liquid in that qualifier because he already played with Enemy in the minor. He has to stick with Enemy for the minor itself to proceed onwards to the major if he wants to play in the major. Mm. Now, Liquid, it's up to them at this point whether they want to risk like splitting the team into two sides to play in the major and then afterwards. But obviously the team itself, if there's one player on the team that knows he's not going to be a part of it after the major, why would he, you know, why would he actually care about the team at that point forward? So more than likely, I do think that this roster change is going to end up happening, but it's probably going to end up happening after the major itself when there's not going to be these weird rule changes that end up happening if this rule continues uh, as it is now, because there was a lot of outrage, uh, there was a lot of outrage surrounding it from quite a few people in the community, and I don't really think it's that good of a rule either. So we'll have to wait and see if Valve or MLG are allowed to make that change within the coming weeks. That's it for this week. I'm Jack Westerman, joined by John Blue Mullen, and we'll be back with another episode of Pop Flash on Wednesday. <laughs>